This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies ed tech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and it helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of different tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com forward slash B-E. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Tell Me This. I am your co-host, Carrie Borkowski, here with Dr. Brianne Ruse, my co-host. Hello, Brianne. Hello, Carrie. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm so happy to introduce our guest today. Um, She's a coach, an assistant, assistant dean. Did I get right that right, Mary? That is correct. Yeah, that is correct. The higher ed hierarchy can be confusing sometimes. So an assistant dean, um, Mary Bolia, I am so, and a very good friend. I'm so happy to have you here. (laughs) Well, thank you. Thanks for having me, Carrie. And Brianne, I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. We're looking forward to diving in. But before we get started, just a little bit more about Mary. She is a leadership, life, and career coach whose greatest joy comes from helping people see possibilities for themselves. For the last 22 years, she's worked with university graduate students from around the globe who seek to make the world a better place. Intensely curious, mostly about people and their stories, Mary is committed to lifelong learning and growth. She is a mother of adult boy-girl twins. Woohoo! <laughs> Rob and Jenny. I added that little piece. <laughs> and she lives on the ocean in Situate, Massachusetts with her partner, Charlie. And I must say... She literally lives on the ocean. I have seen the view and I can only imagine, and Mary has described it, that during one of those crazy situate storms with all the wind, it becomes a little bit of a scary place. At least that would be my perception. (laughs) Well, it's a lot of, thank you, Carrie. It's a lot of people's perception, but I have to say, just speaking about belonging, uh, one of the reasons that Charlie and I live there is because... um, and we can get more into this if we want. But when we first met uh, eight years ago, we uh, can't, we realized together that the ocean for us is where we feel we exactly belong. And mm. so um, we had a dream, a big dream to try and live there at some point. And so here we are. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I will also say, because our, our audience knows that I also have twins, a boy and a girl, and I'm just heartened to know that Mary has survived life <laughs> with twins. I don't know. It's a work in progress still, but you it know, is. They, they continue to teach me a lot. Let's it, put it that way. It is. But I feel like Mary has been a coach and a mentor in so many ways beyond her role at Harvard for me as in my daily life with twins. So I, I'm grateful for that as well. <laughs> no problem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Well, Mary, this is my first time meeting you, so it's definitely a privilege. And actually, as you're talking, Carrie has referenced your house to me in storm during storms, but I, I never connected the dots. And now I now I have a better sense because she said, you know, I'm in a bad place, but my friend Mary lives on the water. <laughs> Carrie loses power all the time. So you're Oh yeah. 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 Your yeah, house up in conversation. Yes, that's absolutely a, a hazard of of that location, that's for yeah. sure. Yeah. Well, before we start with our questions, we always like to just check in and kind of ask how things are. So how are you, Mary? How's your family? And um, just kind of a, a check-in touch base before we get rolling. Thank you. Thank you for asking. I'm good. Everybody's good as far as I know. Anyway, my kids are not local. My daughter lives in Chicago where she went to college and my son lives in Madison, Wisconsin, where he went to college. So um, there's a lot of texting and a lot of FaceTiming and and all that stuff. Um, but they are good. I am good. Uh, we just started a new school year here and it's always a wonderful time because we have students from a hundred countries here in our graduate school and um, you know, they're thrilled to be here. Um, it's a very optimistic time for everybody. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the things that means is that everybody's in a good mood, which is great. <laughs> um, but it also, you know, again, I, as you heard in my bio, I've been here doing this work for 22 years and I, I never really intended to stay this long or, you know, who knows what anyone ever intends. Um, but there's a couple of reasons, three reasons I do, I guess. One is that um, my lifelong commitment has always been to make the world a better place. I'm sort of a cut out of that cloth. So I get to do that. The second thing is that I'm, as I said, as you heard in my bio, I'm really curious about people and stories. And I have learned so much for these students over the years about things that I didn't even know, I didn't know, I didn't know. In <laughs> other words, I would never have thought to ask the question. Mm. But when you have the privilege, privilege of coaching people, you get to ask a lot of questions. And uh, so I am just constantly learning from them. Um, and then the third reason I guess I've stayed so long is that I really feel like this is the work I was born to do. Mm -hmm. And um, <clears throat> I feel like that's such a gift. That's not a gift that you turn away from lightly. So new school year, things are good. Everything is good. Mm. What a what uh, a great answer. I We, yes. we do so many check-ins and that was like, <laughs> That was a great like check-in response. So I, and it's I, also true. Yeah, and I even even better, right? And I wouldn't expect anything <laughs> less from you, Mary. So, <laughs> so you know, because we've talked about this, and hopefully you've listened to a couple of episodes. This podcast is all about belonging, connection, and community. Right. And we really, we really wanted to have you on. Um, you know, for your perspective as a coach and someone who does like story. So, a question we like to start with is you know, thinking about your life experiences, your professional experiences, and really that curiosity for story that you mentioned in your check-in. Can you help frame your understanding of belonging? Sure, I can. Um, uh, I, I've given this, as you might expect, I've given this uh, a bit of thought in the last few days. And, you know, I, I'll, I'll start, this is going to sound like a little bit of a diversion, but it's actually not. Um, I have to admit that I wrestled with this a bit with this question, what, you know, this, what does belonging mean to you um, in preparation for this conversation? And it's a really good question. Um, the reason I wrestled was actually what 
came up for me instinctively when I hear that word is feelings of not belonging, Mm -hmm. feelings of not fitting in, Um, memories, particularly from my teen years of literally viscerally feeling like there was something that was out of step with me where I could not fit in. Sort of, you remember you remember high school or junior high, right? Wanting so badly to, to be the girl who had the boy, um, who she could parade around the circle of lockers with in the morning. Like mm-hmm. I want, for whatever reason, I wanted to be that girl and mm-hmm. I never felt like I was or, um, wanting to be part of the band group because I had friends in the band group and the boy, it was all about the boys, right? The boy that I was really mad for um, was in the band and I didn't play an instrument, but I could be part of the color guard. So Uh trying out for the color guard and not not getting picked. And, um, you know, um, just... And as I've come to learn through my own processing of my own experience, part of that not for fitting in, which we'll get to, I'll get to in a second when I talk about true belonging, was I wanted to feel sort of loved the way I wanted to feel it and in a way that I didn't feel it. So, you know, I, um, so I had this experience with that word as a trigger of not belonging, not fitting in. Um, it triggers the word itself triggers in me feelings of that there was something wrong with me, um, that I was too smart, that I was too deep, that I had too, you know, and maybe like many, I don't know if it's just girls, but many people of the generation that I grew up in, I think we got a lot of these messages too deep, too many feelings, too dramatic, too expressive, talk too much, want too much, um, So I got those messages a lot. And so while I don't feel like I live my life that way now, that word just, it was a visceral reaction to the word. So um, having said that, you know, it's, it's a word that a lot of people use. And so, you know, and it's the question that I was asked and like every good straight A student, I, you know, I try to answer (laughs) the question I was asked. So, okay. So taking the assignment a little further, um, uh, and speaking of Brene Brown, I, uh, which before you ter- hit record, Carrie, we were speaking of mm-hmm. you know, worshiping at the feet of Brene, or being Brene groupies. Yep. Yep. But one of the things that Brene says is actually the opposite of belonging is fitting in, that Her contention is that belonging means belonging to yourself above all else. Um, So that is where belonging makes sense to me. Mm. So belonging to me in my leadership as a coach, as a parent, as a partner, as a friend, it really means understanding my authentic self and being vulnerable enough to belong to that self first, even when it's scary are hard. That's what I have really come to understand, maybe separate even from that word, right? But that feeling that I feel when I feel like I'm in my zone and I'm doing what I was meant to do and I'm living the life I was meant to live, it really is connected to a feeling of um, authenticity and belonging within myself. 
Mm. I mean, we could just cut right here and end the pod because that was like, <laughs> that was so beautiful. So, no, I and I appreciate it. It's funny because uh, Brianne and I just had another guest on, um, Dr. Jill Snodgrass, who is also a reverend. So she has, you know, brings that lens. And we had a deep conversation around, you know, the innate worth of individuals just as they are and recognizing, you know, she, I still am sitting with this term she used, Mary, she called it fluid identity mm. and this idea of non-attachment, right? That it's not these worldly, it's with what's internal. So it's so interesting to hear you articulate in, in a similar but different sort of way. I think the other thing that I really appreciate is I think you're reminding us and our, our, our audience about the power of language. Because mm -hmm. I, once again, I appreciate that my assumptions are being checked in the room because I don't, I forget sometimes that not everybody has a positive relationship with the words that we use. And it's so important, even in the words we're using to check in with, with the individuals who are in that space. So I so appreciate that reminder and that lesson and your explanation and your honesty. So uh, I'm Well, I'm you grateful. know, it's, it, it's, it's an interesting thing about words. And I think it's it's a good conversation for people to have when words connote different things to them. Because I think we do live, some of us more than others, right, live in a world of words and words matter. And um, and so I think to actually explore, you know, how are words connected to feelings or experiences? What are images that are conjured up? when we when we use different words or mm -hmm. i know even in my work and you talk about belonging you know when you are working with students uh or any group of people who's um for whom english is not their first language or who culturally come from very very different places than than you do there's it's really important to be clear on in communication so everyone does feel like they're coming to the conversation with an equal standing, if you will, and an equal feeling of belonging, that when there are misnomers about words, to clear those up. Yeah. I mean, I have to admit, I, I have learned through this work that I can be the queen of idioms, um, very American idioms. Mm. And, and so I have really learned to be much, much more thoughtful about words. I mean, just funny thing. I remember one time I said something to a student at a coaching session. This was years ago about someone bit someone's head off. And, <laughs> and the reaction was this shocked look on this person's face. And I, you know, and we, we cleaned it up, yeah. but you know, so, so yes. Yeah, so mm. belonging as a concept is different than belonging as a word. Yeah. Um, yeah and to absolutely. dig deep into that, I think is, is really um is really important so yeah yeah so well, i dug and 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 i discovered um yeah and yeah. we appreciate that so mary i'm a speech language pathologist and, oh um i teach in higher ed and i spent my morning teaching freshmen about um language yeah what is language and the five areas of language and then we kind of moved into the connection between language and culture and semantics and the meaning of words and kind of where those meanings come from and that words are really arbitrary in and of themselves and kind of breaking it all down. So you're really speaking my language, yeah. but, you know, the importance of words. I want to circle back to your 
definition and, and discussion of belonging, really being belonging to yourself first. So if that's what we're going with, and I think Carrie and I agree with you fully in that, really appreciate those words. How critical then is that belonging to yourself when you're also in relationship? Oh, it's it's everything. Mm. Yeah, it's everything. Um, it allows me to bring my best self and my authentic self um, and my whatever is my magic. And we all have our own magic, right? Whatever is my magic to the room. So um, let's see. Let me tell you. Let me give you a couple of examples that might make it clear. So um, I feel my sort of, I feel belonging, we'll use that word, most powerfully when I am connecting with other people, whether they are my students or whether it's anyone in relationship, and we are sort of vibing together almost, coming to a shared understanding, and where both they and I see a possibility for themselves. So, for example, I'm doing a workshop this afternoon with um, some of the, some students um, here at school. These are students who are um, later, mid-career, which means they've had a bit of professional and personal experience, which is neither here nor there. It just sort of frames frames the room. And so there's a level and kind of connection that I often make with those students that might be different from, from people in a, in a different place. I, I'm a career coach, by the way. So, um, so I am assistant dean for career advancement. So that's sort of the sandbox in which I play. Um, but it, we get, you know, your career is not disconnected from your life, hopefully, right? So anyway, um, what I'm hoping for this afternoon in this room of probably 100 people is that I will experience the magic of giving them exercises and putting out concepts to them and sharing, authentically sharing and being vulnerable and sharing some things about myself and encouraging them to both, I'm going to do a deep reflection with them and have them actually draw some things to get them to what are the big dreams that they dream for themselves. And I will know when I feel it when I'm in that zone with people. And if I do not go in authentically with my feeling of, I belong in this room, this is this is my thing. Um, I, it's both an, in, an inside game and an outside game, right? So it's the confidence to know that I have something to share that, um, that, I, that I hope they will resonate with. And if they don't, you know, that's okay too, because there's good information in that. And also connecting with them in a way that allows them to be who they are authentically and making space for us to learn and grow together. So there'll be a magic in that room. And I will, you know, when I see someone's eyes light up, when they see a possibility for themselves that they didn't see before, it is just absolutely the deepest level of connection between me and them. And that's the belonging. It's mm -hmm. right. It's in the connection. So that's, that's when it's working well. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you a story about from my past leadership life. It's actually kind of funny in hindsight. It was a little horrifying at the time. But <laughs> I was I was an I was a new manager kind of early in my management career. And I had a boss who her authentic self was very sort of she would often say things to you like, are you committed? Say things like, are you committed to this work or not? And, you know, it was really her way of being and whether it worked or didn't work, you know, it kind of worked for her, but whatever. 
And I remember this time when I decided I needed to be her, that I needed to model her leadership and I needed to you know, do the thing. And I remember saying with this person who I'd been managing for a little bit of time, I remember saying to him, like so parroting, saying, are you committed to this work or not? <laughs> and he looked at me like I had lost my mind. And he said, what? He said, who are you? And what happened? Mm -hmm. And it was so powerful. But I was so out of alignment in that moment. So mm -hmm. so so belong that's the self-belonging, right? Yep. And mm -hmm. when you when you show up as your authentic self, whatever happens, it allows you to create a connection with someone else that I think you can't you can't necessarily develop if you're not at least in search of showing up as your authentic self, right? Because yeah. that's a work in progress too. Does that, does that make sense? It absolutely makes sense. Um, I was reading, or I think actually you probably heard it on Brene Brown's podcast. She was talking to Melinda Gates one time and Melinda was talking about her journey to, you know, her, her own success and how she was felt like a fish out of water right out of college and was try, literally trying on these different personalities. Like, I'm going to be the fast New Yorker. I'm going to be this person. I'm going to be that person. <laughs> yes. And she said, I'm going to try one more and I'm going to just try me. And if that doesn't work, like I'm out, I don't know what's going <laughs> on. And obviously it worked and she just kind of dug in. So, you know, it's, it's like the story you just told. And she decided that her work was to become more herself as opposed to trying on all these other yes. people and trying to make them herself. So it really, it absolutely, it makes sense. It? I think it's hard to do, but it it's the magic. And I love that you said we all bring different magic. And I think that's so true because when I think of colleagues, you know, people have really different ways of connecting with students. Yes. And I look at some people, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's incredible. I couldn't say that, but the way you said that was so good. I'm going to say other things. But at the end of the day, it's just that authenticity and, and vulnerability with boundaries that fosters that really great connection. And Carrie, we were reading yeah. um, in one of our articles, we read a study about what students liked the most or what they felt were the best courses, mm -hmm. the attributes of their best courses. And it wasn't that everybody taught with a flipped classroom or everybody did you know, a certain type of lecture or an activity. It really was just the connection. Yeah. that they felt this authentic connection with who the faculty member really was. And, yeah. and those people and personas were very different from one another. Yeah, so I feel like it's showing up Parker, all over. Parker Palmer and Courage to Teach, too. He oh, talks, about, teach. Okay. He talks yeah. about that a lot. Yeah. But do yeah. you know, I, I think that goes right to the fact that we as human beings, although it's the hardest work, but we as human beings are wired to, to we're really wired to try and find and be our authentic selves. And we're wired to know when others are showing up in that way or not, right? Mm -hmm. Like, even if people are different than us, people can sniff out BS pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. I think they yes. really, really can. And they don't react well to it, right? So um, another story about, a quick story uh, about, this one's about my kids when I was trying to be a different kind of parent. So my style of parenting is always, was always very much coachy. In fact, it drove my daughter crazy. She at one point said to me when she was like, I don't know, she was like five or six. How do you feel, Jenny? What do you think, Jenny? She looked at me, she put those little hands on her little hips and she looked at me and she said, you're the parent, you figure it out, right? So 
<laughs> in that moment. But there was another time when I was so exasperated because, you know, parenting is really hard. And I think it was her again, I have to admit. And I, she was just kept asking me, but why? But why? But why? And it was literally, it was making me crazy. And I flipped out of what would have been my preferred authentic parenting style. And I said to her, because I'm the mother and mm. I say so. And she looked me right in the eye and she said, now, you know, that's the most ridiculous thing you've ever said. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and you know what? I have to admit. Yeah. She was a little bit right. Yeah. She was a little bit wrong, too, because I really needed her to stop in that moment of acting, asking why and understand that the conversation was over. Yeah. But it wasn't over because I was the mother and I said so. It was over because it was over and we needed to move on. And you, you were know? tired and, and you were tired. tired. <laughs> and and parents are human beings who also yeah, get tired. Exactly, right. right? So, yeah. But, but she called on it. She's very good at that. Still. That's all. Well, I think <laughs> I, I mean, my experience um, has been that kids are always good at calling you on things, right? Like yeah. they just, they just say what the obvious is. So yeah, I love, I love that she checked you on that. They're looking for the authenticity too. <laughs> they are. Know? Absolutely. So, so yeah. <laughs> so I want to circle back, Mary, um, because you you started the description of of your response to the question by saying, and I'm paraphrasing, it's almost like you you know it when you see it or you know it when you feel it, right? Yeah. And I at that moment, and this is I don't mean any pun intended here, but I also I was completely aligned with you because I was thinking, and Brianne has heard me say that moments that just light you up just feel like you're and it's because my core values are right being lit up. And so I have two questions for you and I'll I'll ask one at a time to keep it keep it clear for for me at least. The first is if you are mentoring, working with, coaching whatever the word is with someone else who wants to do similar work that of you. Mm -hmm. You know as well as I do as an educator and Brianne knows this saying you'll know it when you see it or feel it isn't isn't going to cut it. Yes. So I'm wondering what's your approach? Just some tips. Like what what's your approach to supporting someone who wants to do this work and sort of and in my words using the language of the podcast in essence cultivating that belonging, that lighting up moment. Like what do you how do you yeah, I'll leave it there and you you can go where you want with it. Okay. Um, if I'm understanding you correctly and correct me if I'm, if I'm not, mm -hmm. um, that would be in, in coaching anyone who is seeking to find out what, or let me say, it could be in helping anyone find out what they were, what they, sh what they were meant to be doing, uh, which could include doing this work. Do I, I think, understand? Correctly? I think it's that. I think it's that. And I'm also really interested. So you were describing going into a room with a hundred yeah. mid-career students and you just know that moment when their eyes light up. And I'm just wondering if someone wanted to do that kind of work, walk into that room and create that kind of moment, like what are uh, the, what kinds of tips are you giving people who are sort of wanting to do that? Okay. Oh, great. Good question. Okay. Um, couple things I do. One is I rely pretty heavily on breaking it down. Mm. So frameworks and breaking it down. 
So for example, um, uh, yeah, because one of the things I find, particularly for my for for my students, is and I think anyone who is doing coaching is that there is a there is a human thing that people have, people we work with have, that they want us to, they really want us to tell them the answers or they think they do, right? Everybody kind of wants to know, well, what should I, in, a, in the career, it's, well, what job should I take, right? Or uh, someone asks you to help them parse through a decision. Well, what, what do you think? What should I do? And of course, as we know, that's not what coaching is about. That's not coaching. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I would say that the best coaching really helps people be leaders in their own lives. And, and, you know, it's just like parenting. The best parenting helps our kids be leaders in their own lives. So I really try to break it down. So one of the things I ask my students to do a lot, and this can work, anyone who was trying to do this work could come up with their own frameworks. But rather than just saying to them, what do you love? What do you love to do? What brings you joy? Which is a little bit of an amorphous question. Mm-hmm. Um, I asked them. I asked them this question. So I'll say, okay, think about a day or a meeting or a moment, whatever it is, when you walked away <laughs> from that thing, and you thought, "Damn, I'm good." Mm-hmm. What was the thing you were doing, right? And so they might say, oh, you know, I, I, I had a team meeting and people were snarking at each other in the beginning. And by the end, we were all on the same track or, you know, whatever it is. Right. And then help them pull apart the elements of that. What are mm. the qualities of that? Because then that tells you about the qualities of the thing that assuming that when you feel the magic, it's because you're acting in your authenticity, right? Mm -hmm. It helps, it helps them understand a little bit more about their authenticity, even though you don't call it that Mm -hmm. because they're saying, ah, and then you can bring in other frameworks. So like I've had students in the past say to me, um, I've been so miserable in my job. I don't know what's wrong with me. And they're like beating themselves up about it. I need a different job. I I I hate it. I don't, I'm not good at it, right? And then you pull it apart and you talk about, well, when is a moment when you do feel? Mm-hmm. You know, tell me about that moment. And then you say something like, well, let's look at the Myers-Briggs type indicator. Have you ever done that self-assessment? You give them that and you find out that they're, you know, they're, they're, they're an extrovert operating totally in an introvert's world or they're an intuitive thinker who's looking at spreadsheets all day or so if you can kind of like attach it to experience and then break it down at least that's what helps me that's Mm -hmm. what really helps me because it is about them it's never about you um and so so doing that helps the other thing i find helps and i would coach any coach anyone who want to be a coach to do this work is to do as much inner work as you can, whatever forms that that takes, so that you can show up as an active listener with the people you're working with and really, really, really suspend your need to be right, to be approved of, to be loved, to be at a girl or at a boy or at a whatever, um, that you can really understand how to actively listen to someone. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So that's mm-hmm. a couple of things that I would say to anyone who was interested in, in doing this work. Yeah. You don't need to have all the answers. You just need to know how to ask the right questions. Yeah, that was so, yes, I, I just had an aha moment, which is, is great. It's like, yeah, I, you just put words to something that I've been struggling with, which I really appreciate. I love, and I know Brian, you, you're all over this because this is some of your dissertation work around strengths-based asset approach to things, right? I just love, Mary, that you're illuminating because um, at least in my experience, and I'll get to my point in a second, in my experience, the books we read and even in the book I wrote, which, you know, that's another thing I'll have to deal with. We're so interested in subscribing or prescribing a framework mm-hmm. Take steps and you get to this thing. And what I heard you say is help the person or support the person journey along with the person to discover their own framework. Yes. The only framework that you seem to use is twofold. Be a really good listener and ask a really damn good question. Yes. But they're also, if you know what you're trying to get at, there are also all kinds of other tools and tricks that you can use as well that help people move beyond the sort of, uh, I don't, you know, (laughs) it's like, what did Winnie the Pooh, you know, sitting think 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 (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know and see if something will come up yeah um like I was sharing with someone yesterday about this exercise that uh actually Tim Butler at the Harvard Business School invented around it's called 100 jobs and it's an exercise in career coaching where you help you give someone a list of jobs and the jobs are things like um you know, TV talk show host and like things that like not anyone would not necessarily be, but they circle the ones that really invite them or intrigue Mm -hmm. them. And then outside of the outside of the thing of, well, this is the job I should do. I should go be a TV talk show host, you know, or a trash collector or a, you know, gardener or whatever. You 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 open it up to look at, well, what are the qualities of the job? And, mm-hmm. and again, what you're doing is you're helping them learn more about themselves in a way that feels accessible to them. Yeah. Um, and I think that and I think that that really helps. That yeah, really I think. Helps. I think the other thing it does, what I've learned, I just finished reading. I'm sure you're very familiar with it, Mary. I read that book. um, Is it called Designing Your Life? The guy who does the Stanford at the D school. Yeah, there's design thinking and designing your life. Yeah. Yeah. And what he talks about in the book is we're often solving for the wrong problem. Yes. And I think what you're pointing out, especially in the, I think in the realm of career, you know, I was just talking to a coaching client this morning and saying that, you know, perhaps not focusing on, I didn't say it this way, but like the idea was like, perhaps not focusing on skills aligned with a job description, right. Yep. To get, to get the, the, the solution is to get a job. Well, maybe the, that's not actually the problem. Maybe the problem is we're using the wrong criteria. Right. And so I feel like your questions are again, illuminating. What is it about that thing that you love? What is it about that task that inspired you or whatever? So, um, yep. yeah, well, you I know, just, I, I think exactly. And I will often I, I have some diagrams that I use for folks and I will often say to my students who are in the main extremely high achievers um, who also care passionately about about do about making the world better. Mm. You know, they're in they're in uh, public service at solving public problems. 
and uh, and they're anxious to get at it, you know. Mm-hmm. But the, but here's another thing I think is really important, and I think this is true of relationships and belonging in general, including the belonging to ourselves. So hang with me here for a second. I think that trust is huge. Mm. That trust is really sits almost at the center of belonging, right? So if you really are going to belong to any community, any group, uh, feel like you belong in the world, um, you 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 have to have some level of trust that the that the universe, the world, these people, this process um, is going to is going to hold you mm-hmm. is going to that you can trust it. Even if it's not perfect, that you can trust it at the end of the day. So when I ask students to suspend their need to know the answer, what job, I'm really asking them to trust not just me, but themselves, that if they actually ask themselves some really hard questions and go through the scary moments of not knowing or thinking, you know, or facing the fear of, what if I've spent all this money to come to this highfalutin graduate school and I discover that what I want to do, I can't do because I'm not good enough or I don't have the right skills or I'm too whatever, fill in the blank. I'm too old. I'm too young. I've wasted too much of my life doing something else, right? There, there's an element of trust that I think is enormous. And 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 I know I've had to go this through this through my, for myself because one of the things I've discovered from a whole other can of worms about me, but some 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 really early trauma that I had in my life. I lost my father when I was nine, um, and it was uh, it still continues to be, and I'm 62, um, a devastating loss for me. Um, it it really interfered with my trust that. In the end, I'm okay. It's okay. We're going to be okay. You can trust the world. Uh, and I'm still continuing to wrestle with that, with what does it mean? How do I trust without knowing the outcome? How do mm-hmm. I trust w- with also knowing that sometimes bad things happen? And I'm, you know, how do I trust that I, that I can deep, that I can be okay? Yeah. And the only way I found is through that inner work of trusting myself. And that is a that is a lifelong that is a lifelong venture as it turns out. But it also strikes me that this world we're all living in now, particularly post-pandemic, where we've all been through this thing where um we couldn't even trust that the people that we were with, sitting with, weren't going to give us something that was going to kill mm-hmm. us. And I and really, I'm not trying to be overly dramatic. I really think that we have to know in this post-COVID world, or hopefully post-COVID, that this is a real thing. Or that can we trust our leaders? Can we trust our leaders not to steal from us? And maybe they've been stealing from us forever, but let's just say the last few years and the recent, I'll say, Supreme Court decision, and these, you know, I think there is a, there is a real, I think we have a real crisis of trust right now, and I think it makes everybody's job harder. Yeah. You know, um, my daughter, for example, at twenty nine years old, she doesn't. Her experience tells her, and she's getting right. She says she's getting right with it. She doesn't trust that she'll ever be able to buy a home. 
or, you know, there are other things about her future that she doesn't count on. Right. So, so I think the trust thing, and I think in any coaching relationship, another thing I would tell people as, as a coach is that if you can learn to trust yourself and know you're doing the best you can from a place of authenticity, then that will help build trust with your clients. It it, it just will. Um, And it won't be perfect, but I think that that's really something else that all of us in this whole vulnerability, authenticity game have to, and belonging game have to deal with as well. Yeah. Mary, I want to pull on that a second. So Mm -hmm. trust is the center of belonging. And I love that phrase. Yeah. I was thinking about what you shared before about when you're going into work with students and you share a little something about yourself, a little vulnerable, maybe they're connecting, hopefully they're connecting. And then later on, you mentioned, you know, it's it's about them. It's not about you as the facilitator. And you have to yeah. suspend that need to be approved of, et cetera. Right. How do you find that balance? How do you find that balance of being vulnerable, sharing a story to connect, not really needing that reaction, but still looking for that reaction? Can you say more about that? Sure. You know, I actually, uh, in my coaching life, um, and before I was a career coach, I was a leadership leadership coach. So I've been doing this a lot of years. I actually have really wrestled with that. And I've made mistakes. Um, there are moments where I think I've divulged too much and where, not that it was too much because it was too much, but it was too much because it felt more like my story and not theirs. Um, the way I try to do it is to give people example. So if I'm introducing, if I'm introducing a concept Like today I'm doing big dream, right? So one of the things I will do, if it feels right, I also go a lot by intuition now. If it feels right, I will say, well, let me share with you for a minute, kind of like one of my big dreams, right? Just to to sort of level set, um, to give them example and level set. Or or in a coaching meeting, uh, I might just give someone an example of, when I say to them, you can't necessarily know, um, you can't always know what job you're going to get. Sometimes what happens is, you know, you put some stuff out in the universe and then something something happens where something you never could have imagined shows up. And then I will tell them the story about how I got this job. So it's a little different than I'm going to be vulnerable with you now and tell you my stuff. But it's more, I let me share with you some of what I've experienced as a human being going through this same fundamental struggle, really, that we all do. But to give you sort of an idea, an analogy almost of, of how this has worked for me, if that, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. That's helpful. Thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that makes that w- that makes total sense. I, I was interesting. I wrote down, I'm going to have to wrestle and maybe I know I'll get to see Mary this weekend probably. Um, so maybe we'll have a follow-up conversation, but this, this whole connection of belonging and trust has me, you know, has my brain itching, right? Cause it's, to me, it feels chicken and egg, Mm. right? Cause I was thinking just personally thinking, I was like, okay, so when do I trust a space or a person? Well, sometimes Mm -hmm. it has to do with whether or not they see me, Mm -hmm. which to me is part of my definition of belonging. Right. So to me, it's like, they're so wrapped into each other. So it's kind of interesting um, to think about. I do love, and, and it's a yes and, and, and I do 
you you keep coming back to me if I had to pick a theme for today's podcast, Mary, I feel like it would be the critical role of the internal work. I feel like I keep hearing you say that in different phrases and and representations. Is that is that something Absol- that resonates with you? You know, absolutely. And as yeah. much as I'd love to blame everything on somebody else, <laughs> you know, I sort of keep coming back to it is an inside job. It, it, you know, mm. it, it is an inside job. Um, so I'll tell another story uh, just to kind of illustrate that even in a little bit of a, of a different, of a different light. Um, and uh, I hope you don't mind me sharing. Some of these stories are are personal, quite personal, but I, I, you know, if you're okay um, with it, we're okay with it. It's your story to tell. So. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I recently experienced, Carrie knows this, a tremendous mm-hmm. loss. Um, I lost my brother. Well, my brother died. Um, he was 11 months older than I. So we were what's called Irish twins. And I'm Irish. My maiden name is Connolly. I'm Irish. Um, and so um, and so I lost John very suddenly. He had a massive heart attack. It was completely out of the blue. And for me, this has kicked up all kinds of feelings of belonging that I didn't expect. Mm. Um, John lived in Colorado. He left Boston after he graduated from BU in 1981, never lived here again. So we were never day to day. um, You know, he wasn't part of my daily existence. And um, but um, we went through some stuff together and our relationship evolved. And, and let's just we were ex- we were extremely close, although, like, say, we didn't we didn't speak every day. Um, what I experienced with the loss of John is I don't have any other siblings. So now I lost have lost every member of my immediate family of origin. My father is gone. He died when I was nine. My mother died in 2014 and my brother just died in May. And this really sent me into a spin of, oh my God, where do I belong? Like, there's nobody left. It's just me. There's nobody, there's nobody around anymore who knew my dad as a dad. You know, and one of the things John and I used to do a lot, even though we had a very brief time with him, was was compare notes and share stories about our dad. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this real deep feeling of loss and I will say unmooring, just mm-hmm. incredible unmooring. And um, and I've worked a little bit with that um, in terms of, OK, well, I, I can't be stuck here, you know, and they're. I I don't want to be stuck feeling like I don't belong or scrambling to, you know, join a bunch of groups. So I feel like I belong somewhere else sort of covered over with a bandaid or what all that, all that stuff. And, and part of where this has led me um, and this is, is working for me is I've actually done a lot of um, meditation on this whole thing about John and my mom and my dad. And where I've evolved to is this, like, this new image, this new level of the three of them actually, you know, wherever they are together, whether they're together or not, but this image of sort of um, just the light and love Hmm. that they bring to me, 
that I can access at any moment to, if I go deep, to feel the the light of belonging from the three of them. I know this sounds really woo-woo, but it's really true. Almost in a way that couldn't happen when they were when we were in the day-to-day scrum of life Mm. or whatever it was, it was like, I've had to sort of release the notion that I will never be able to call my brother again, which is really sad because he's just so funny and fun and wonderful and loving. Um, But to move into this other space of, ah, that, that the love, the essence of that family of origin story and the love that all of us held together, absent of the sort of messiness here, there relationship of daily life, is the way I have sort of have now moved this thing. And it, I have to say, it's incredibly helpful as a practice for healing, for growth, and for bringing that feeling of belonging back to me that I have not lost my whole family, mm-hmm. that I can access the feeling of unconditional love that we really all shared at the deepest level. And it's just been extraordinarily helpful for me. Um, mm. So, yeah. So there you go. Right. So the inner work is what gets us to freedom and peace. And if we feel whole and and free and like we belong to ourselves, I really believe that then we can show up in the world for others, both as individuals and in groups. Like yeah. I believe that the connection that my partner Charlie and I have together and the way our relationship is has evolved, even though we're, you know, it's not without the any relationship has difficulty and we're very different people. I believe that because we do the inner work and come together in part around who we are and are vulnerable to each other in that way and create our belonging almost around that, that we can show up in the world for other people in a way that shines light, which again is my whole reason for being. So I'm, the relationship is working quite well, I must say. So yeah, absolutely. Oh, I, so, so many, so many thoughts first just gratitude and you know appreciation for your willingness to share such a you know an intimate and important time for you and i i heard and felt the hurt and the hope which um as someone who appreciates the yes and um i really completely I, and, and, and i and i think that look i think that there are a lot of people out there um who experienced different kinds of losses and mourning, not to trying to compare it to yours at all, Mary. I just think that our audience will appreciate that message of connection and that belonging. And Brianne, it's something we really haven't explored on the podcast that, you know, belonging, clearly that feeling, that perception, you don't have to be present. You don't have to be on Zoom. You don't have to be on a phone. There's there's many different ways to sort of call on that feeling of belonging. And I just you so um, beautifully uh, shared that. And you really, um, Mary, made me think of Bell Hooks and her Mm -hmm. writing on teaching to transgress because she talks a lot about how education should be freedom. And the only way that faculty and teachers can show up in classrooms that cultivate those feelings of freedom is to do the inner work. 
to get to a point of self-actualization. And so I just think it's so interesting how people in very different spaces can come to similar conclusions. So um, I don't know, Brianne, I, I don't have anything left. I feel like, Mary, this has been such a enlightening and valuable and beautiful um, almost hour that we've had the privilege of spending with you. But I do want to offer, Brianne, if there's any other questions you want to ask. No, I don't have questions. I just really appreciate learning from you and sitting with you during this time. And I, I mean, you beautifully pulled us all the way back to the beginning. I don't know if that was scripted or not, but it, <laughs> yeah. it was like a, a full circle. I was like, uh, it was right not now. scripted, Brienne, but it, you know, sometimes if you just show up. Yeah. Magic. Ha- the magic that you bring the magic happens. You brought happens, your magic. As, yep. as you said. So, and I'm, I'm, I will say, and Brienne knows this and Mary does too. Like I'm deeply grateful for the reminder. Cause as our listeners know, I can't believe it's all been almost four years, but four years ago, I started this podcast in honor of my grandmother. And so for you to hear you talk about those quiet moments of connection with your family who are no longer with us just makes me feel like, yep, I can carry her with me um, in all kinds of ways. So exactly. Well, you know, I think at the end of the day, uh, even with all this, you know, inner work with the inner work, that part of the inner work is just reminding ourselves every day that if we show up and with good intention and we do the best that we can, you know, it, it's kind of all we can do. Yeah. And it's, and it's, and it's good enough and yeah. it's good enough. Um, but uh, I appreciate the fact that you all have created this forum for people to explore these things because I think. Um, sometimes that tap on the shoulder, you know, is, is it's, it's the only way we're going to, we're going to get to greater understanding is to just keep asking the questions and showing up and being, you know, (laughs) being open to whatever happens. So I appreciate the fact that you, um, gave me this space to, you know, kind of muddle around in it a little bit, because like most things, I learned more about myself from having gone through the exercise of this. So, you know, it's all good. That's awesome. Well, I'm glad that we can provide this space. I mean, Brianne and I love being in this space, especially with uh, women like yourself, Mary. And I think I just wrote myself a note, perhaps later in the winter and the spring, maybe we'll, we would love to have you back to talk more specifically ar- about belonging in that inner work. Um, Cause that's something that I'm been really thinking a lot about in terms of guiding people in that inner work. Um, so I think it'd be fun mm. to, to yeah. speak more clearly and deeply about that if, if you're willing. So sure. absolutely. Yeah. Oh, great. Thank you so so much. Yeah. Well, Brianne and Mary, it was a pleasure. Brianne, it was so good to be reconnecting with you on the podcast and everybody. I hope you enjoyed. I know I feel very certain that people are going to enjoy (laughs) this episode. I don't hope I know. Um, So this has been another episode of Tell Me This with your co-host, Kara Borkowski and Dr. Brianne Ruse. And once again, Mary Beaulieu, thank you so much for your your time, your talent and your magic. So thanks, everybody. (laughs) Take care. Thanks. Bye bye now. Down gravity, you're so sincere under the glaciers of your last year.
Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, and improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com forward slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all of these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash BE.